We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, hello. Welcome to episode 502, Talk About Flow podcast, part of the Blue Water Network. Today is Tuesday, November 8th, uh, election day. Get your ass out there and vote. Don't care who you're voting for, get out there and vote. If you're listening on this on Tuesday morning, make sure you get out there, man. I, uh, <laughs> I'm not in a very good mood. I, I, I'm really not. This was a very bad week for Buffalo sports. Uh, we'll get to all that in just a couple of minutes. It is, on the other hand, always good to see and hear from my good friend, writer, podcaster, sports media personality, my buddy, Joe Yurden. Ugh. What's up, Joe? How you doing, man? I'm well, listen, um, <laughs> I know the Bills took care of Aaron Rodgers for me last week. Yeah. And the Lions took care of Aaron Rodgers for me this week. So it's a rare, a rare of all, rarest of all situations where they not only beat him, but made him look like an idiot too. He and, played horrible that game. I watched a lot of highlights, a lot of film from that. And as much as, you know, it's easy to to blame everyone else on the Packers, the lack of supporting cast, the lack mm-hmm. of receivers, man. I watched several plays on film where Aaron Rodgers just missed guys that were wide open. I mean, just mm-hmm. terrible. Good for the Lions, though. A good victory. Yeah, very good for Lions because that because that might be the one where people are just kind of like, yeah, he's got to hang it up. It's time for could be, go. could be. And and I've he been looked, he looked horrible. His teammates didn't help him. The guys were dropping balls, committing penalties, all that stuff. He has, and you're real, right. But real. I've been telling you this all year for whatever reason. And again, I all we got to. I feel like we have to say this every week, but. There's always new people who are tuning in for the first time, whether it's right. on the audio side, whether it's on the YouTube video side, which by the way, if you are watching this on YouTube, like the video, subscribe. We're trying to build up this channel. But anyway, Joe is a Bills watcher, not a Buffalo Bills fan. Joe is a Detroit Lions fan. And I think I'm higher on your team than you are. I, I really do. I think the Detroit Lions are a pretty good football team, man. I really do. Now, they're, they're still losing. I mean, they only got two wins this year. But I legitimately think that they are a up-and-coming football team. I mean, they need pieces, obviously. They're going to need a better quarterback. And, you know, I, I, I think they'll get that in the future. But I like that team, man. And when Jamison Williams gets into the picture pretty soon, too, that offense is yeah. going to be uh, even better. Yeah. Offense hasn't been the problem, though. It's been the defense. But, wow, weird. They fired the defensive backs coach because they haven't been able to defend passes all year long. They've been getting shredded by everybody. And then – 
they shut down Aaron Rodgers for nine points. Suddenly, they can't throw the ball. They're intercept. You know, they're they're making stops. They're doing all this stuff. That's funny. It's a it weird really coincidence is. that that happened. That's it is. And I, and look, I I hate Aaron Rodgers almost as much as you do. So these last two weeks, and there's been <laughs> one bright spot with sports for me the last couple of weeks besides Notre Dame whooping Clemson on Saturday night. That was awesome. But the other bright spot has been uh. Aaron Rodgers getting his ass whipped twice in a row. That's been really cool. Look, Buffalo side, not a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Bills or Sabres recently, but we're going to get into uh, some of that. Before, I'd be remiss though if I didn't say this. So we both live in Buffalo, and mm-hmm. it's November, and we're yeah. talking about what's today. Or today, this is dropping on the 8th. It was it November 4th, 5th, whatever this weekend was. First week in November, dude, it was gorgeous out. Mm-hmm. This weekend, especially Saturday, man, it was, uh, it was awesome. And I went out on Saturday to uh prohibition. That's the bar right next door to uh Highmark stadium used to mm-hmm. be tailgaters, right. a couple other places. Uh, yep. anyway, I met a, a handful of friends there. Uh, my buddy, Joe Miller from the overreaction sports podcast uh, on mm-hmm. Buffalo rumblings. He met up, he had some wings, had a couple pints of beer, and just sat outside on a patio. And I was like, this is really cool, man. To uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I always enjoy going out and having a couple of beers on a Saturday, right. no matter what. But to be able to sit outside, literally in a in t-shirt and shorts on, on a patio in November in Western New York, man, that's a nice wow. treat. I feel like we're going to pay for that later. But, yes, we definitely, but, <laughs> definitely will. It was nice, man. What, what were you up to all, all weekend? Do anything fun? I, uh, well, I was watching a lot of the Sabres. I'm, I don't know if we'll get into that. There's plenty of Bill stuff to talk about, but uh, oh, we I was will. watching them. I didn't really get into any shenanigans this weekend. I've been kind of playing it, playing it cool. Yeah, on, on the shenanigan side of things, but uh, I don't know. It's uh, you know, went, went over to Buddy's house and watched the uh, watched the uh, the game there on Sunday, and um, we got pizza from John's Pizzeria. You know, because we, we always get pizza wings. We always get some kind of food. When, sure, because you know, a bunch of us hanging out. And uh, they never fail. Like that's a really that's a really good joint. I don't know if you've ever had John's Where is before. It? Uh, they got a few spots. The the one I hit was uh, was up uh, off of Forest, uh, out in uh, Amherst, I hmm. But um, but they do a stinger pizza, man. That is freaking great. It is really really good. That's cool. Yeah. So it was it was nice. It was it was cool. I mean, yeah. I feel bad sitting around with my buddies who are all Bills fans, and I'm just kind of like, oh, this sucks for you guys. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to see that. But they, they give it back to me by being like, wow, hey, look at that. Packers got a touchdown. Yeah, thanks. I know. Very cool. <laughs> really, really neat. I, I didn't expect that to happen at all. I um before we get into sports, I so like I said, Saturday was awesome. Went out outside patio bar, a couple pints, um, with some friends, and then I Went to another bar, West Seneca, with, with a good uh, Notre Dame buddy of mine, actually my cousin, and we watched Notre Dame just bury Clemson, which, you know, as a Notre Dame fan, that was uh, really cool. So as good as Saturday was, might even talk about the actual game on Sunday. Sunday sucked. So I have a, a full-time job during the week. I work remote from home, full-time mm-hmm. during the week. And I also work part-time at a restaurant. I work like three nights a week. And then I do this podcast two shows, sometimes three a week, probably combine all that stuff, maybe 65, 70 hours a week. And I do it all Monday through Friday. Like I'm the kind of guy from the time I wake up Monday until the end of Friday night, I will work every waking hour if I need to, because I want to have my weekends off, which Mm -hmm. I typically do. 
Saturday's my day to have fun. Whatever everyone's up to, that's where I go out and, and I get my fun on. And then Sundays is my rest and relaxation day, my kind of mental rest, reset myself mm-hmm. for the coming week, lay my ass on the couch, watch some football for eight hours, put on red zone, Bills game, whatever. Um, I agreed a month ago to, to cover somebody at the restaurant and I ended up working a double shift on Sunday and I missed chunks of the Bills game live as it was happening. And so I DVR'd it, of course, and, and went, you know, went home and rewatched that. I mean, I knew what was happening, but I have to watch the whole game and all the little right. things that happened. I'll never do that shit again, man. How stressful that was having to miss the game, having to be at work. And I just felt like my whole weekend was off. And now mm-hmm. it's already back into Monday. We're taping this Monday late afternoon and I just don't feel right because I didn't get that one day that I count on to to have my uh my R and R. That yeah. shit sucked. Yeah, I assume that the time change setting the clocks back that sucked help, too. That didn't help that out either. That that man, I never used to give a give a crap about any of that stuff, but I forget it. I I, I can't be bothered with it now. Like I know it was for the farmers and they'd started doing that like what a like you know in the forties, thirties, forties or whatever the hell it was. It's enough. We're done. Like yeah. we don't need to be doing this shit anymore. It's uh, what is it? Five five thirty, five thirty five, and and it's almost pitch black out now. And <laughs> it's, it's like that for the next few months. And God, it's just so gloomy. It's 10 of five, and it's right. almost dusk. No, like, be it's not even in the winter yet. Like, right, and and to be fair, because this is like Florida also has Eastern time, so it's the same thing. Like in Florida, it would be dark at five thirty two, but it would be right. thirty five degrees warmer. Or this shit's not yet, because again, it was beautiful this weekend, but you know, real soon it's going to get cold, and it's mm-hmm. cold and it's gloomy at 530. God, as much as I love Buffalo and Western New York, this is the time where it's like, you know, wouldn't mind being somewhere yeah. else for a few months, man. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I mean, I, I, we're, we're kind of getting a gift with the uh, this 70, 80 degree weather the first weekend of, the, of November, but I... You said it. We're we're gonna pay for it later because that means yeah. the lake doesn't get the freeze, which means right. No, it could happen at any time. Well, let's not even get into it. That's we, why I specifically picked. I specifically picked a bar on Saturday to hit that at an outdoor patio because I was like, this might be the last really nice Saturday yeah. that we see until around maybe like St. Patrick's Day or uh, some shit. Anyway, if we're lucky, lucky St. Patrick's. If we're Day. lucky, well, I'll tell you what. Last St. Patrick's Day, because I remember this, I did a pub crawl. It was beautiful last St. Patrick's Day. It was probably even, it was probably nicer on St. Patrick's Day than it was this past uh, Saturday. All right. That's and, a, yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a, it's funny you say that because uh, that's now a, a story day in Sabres history. St. Patrick's Day? Day? Yes. Because that's the day Ralph Kruger got fired. Oh, oh, that's right. Yep. Holy shit, I forgot about that. <laughs> You're right. I completely forgot about that. The goddamn. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Good point. All right. Well, <laughs> no one's getting fired from the Buffalo Bills. That said, you know, I I'm gonna put this out there because I'm telling you right now, man. I, I said this shit on uh on Sunday morning. Where the hell's my tweet, man? If you're watching this on YouTube, I'm screwing up already. All right. <laughs> you know what? I'll tell you what, before we before we even get into the game, and I'll and I'll bring back up that tweet in a second. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the big news, which is bigger than the game. The Bills lost to the New York Jets, an ugly game. And mm-hmm. we'll talk about that in a few minutes. The much bigger picture, uh, the scary news for the Buffalo Bills right now is as we are taping this, which is approximately 5 p.m. on Monday. In fact, we were going to tape a couple hours earlier and Joe very wisely mm-hmm. said, you should probably wait for Sean McDermott to speak because, you know, reports are starting to come out about Josh Allen and see what he had to say about that. Mm-hmm. So Ian Rappaport, there's been speculation and buzz that 
ever since the game that Josh Allen injured his elbow uh, late in the game. And there's been a couple of videos of the play and it looked uh, pretty bad. And, you know, again, we've heard a little bit of buzz, not a lot of reports, but you know how that goes, Joe. You're in the media, man. A lot of whispers, things mm-hmm. going on with, uh, yeah. with Josh Allen and his elbow. So Ian Rappaport tweeted Monday around 2.30 p.m. or so. He said, Bills quarterback Josh Allen is likely to be limited this week because of an elbow injury suffered late in Sunday's loss. But as of now, it's considered a situation to monitor rather than an ailment that would keep them out of the game, sources say. He's still undergoing tests to be sure. That last line is the important line because then, shortly before we're taping this now, Sean McDermott spoke with the media like he does every Monday. This wasn't specific Mm -hmm. to Josh Allen. And uh, Sean McDermott said, we're going through it in terms of evaluating Josh Allen's elbow injury. They're still evaluating him. They're still doing testing. And McDermott said that they'll know more in the next 24 hours or so. Again, you're listening to this. Hopefully you're listening to this sometime relatively early on Tuesday. Um, Some news might come out Tuesday. For sure it will by Wednesday an update. Everything I've heard, and I'm pretty sure you have as well, indicates that you know, a lot of times, like Sean McDermott will give a, a very vanilla, very bland description of something. He'll say mm-hmm. evaluating or day by day or this and that. Everything that I understand to this point is that as of right now, at least again, late in the Monday afternoon, the Bills legitimately do not know the extent uh, of the testing and how it's it's going with Josh Allen. This is quite obviously, again, something to uh, not just monitor, something to be worried about mm-hmm. because I don't think you need to be a, a pro football analyst to to know nope. as Josh goes, so goes the Buffalo Bills. And to be fair, that's not a Buffalo Bills thing. You can say the nope. same exact shit about Pat Mahomes in Kansas City and Lamar Jackson in Baltimore and Jalen Hurts in Philly, all the teams. Mm-hmm. Your franchise quarterback goes down, you're down. And it's yeah. uh I don't I don't even want to speculate. And I don't, nope. I don't mean, I don't think you're going to either. Nope. This is scary though. This is, this is a Buffalo Bills fan. I don't want to say it's the worst case scenario, but it's certainly your, your biggest nightmare because we don't know. Again, he might be fine. He might even play on Sunday. He might mm-hmm. miss some time. It could be worse. We don't know right now. This is scary, scary territory if you're a Bills fan. Yeah, this is, uh, th- this is the sum of all fears. It's just, uh, I don't think anybody anticipated it being a throwing thing that could take him out i don't i don't think that was ever an anticipation you know Mm -hmm. considering the way he plays and you know how the you know how the line protects for him and all that stuff i don't think anybody ever thought that you know an arm issue would become the problem for a guy that can you know huck the ball 70 yards downfield uh but obviously this is you know i I, i'm not going to speculate but when a play like that happens you have a you have a few thoughts that go through your head right away because you see you because it, it very obviously I mean he threw that ball really deep to Davis Davis probably should have caught it sure. I mean he put it right I couldn't place that any better really I mean I know people are gonna complain about you know should have been interference blah 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 whatever I, that it, a that call's never gonna get made at that point fourth down late in the game fourth and twenty one right and it puts it would have put them you know, at field goal range to immediately send it to over like that. Sorry, that call, unless he drags him to the ground, that call's not getting made, but he puts that ball in a spot where it can be caught. All you can ask for is that, but it was the play before that where he get, or it was a play before that or play after where he, where he takes that hit. No, no, it, it was, was before a, that. It was before yeah. that. It was, I, I believe it was, uh, it was 
first or, or was second down. It was a couple plays be- before that. It was because mm-hmm. it was fourth and 21 where he heaved it right. to, to Gabe down the yep, field. Yep, yep. So like that play happens and I'm, I'm watching, you know, you know, the, the action on his arm, you know, what happens when he's holding the ball, how, you know, it gets ripped out all the whole thing. And I just see the way, you know, the way he gestures to it. And it's very, I mean, it was very clear. He was kind of gesturing to his elbow. I mean, that's, that's pretty easy to pick out. Sure. But the first thought that ran through my head was Tommy John surgery. And I'm just like, I hope that's not the case. Um, but that was the first thought that pops in my head. And listen, I'm not a doom and gloomer either. I've watched enough baseball to see, you know, see pitchers react when, you know, the, things kind of go on them and they're just kind of like, ah, you know, it really hurts. This stinks. And then, you know, then, it, you know, the report after the game is, uh, they're going to get their, uh, you know, elbow evaluated by, you know, Dr. James Andrews in Alabama. And it's like, well, forget him. You won't see him for two years. Obviously this is not the situation right, right. now for the bills. So, and I hope it doesn't get to that point, but that's, I mean, that's for me, that's the biggest fear I would have is that, he heard it bad enough where that is the that's the thing you got to do to be able to make sure he can a keep playing b be able to throw the ball you know anywhere near as effective as before if it just ends up being something light i mean light in the context of things like you know like a has, sprain a, a yeah, lesser sprain, strain, strain, or strain whatever, right. something like that if it's something like that then all right you know you can you can you can work through that get by it because that puts, you know, that puts the timeline, depending on, you know, how, you know, how, how severe, how, whatever, mm-hmm. puts the timeline so that he's back before the end of the regular season's done. Like that's, that's good. Problem is what happens in that time in between, you know, uh, like that, that, that becomes a giant problem because a lot of teams are playing really well now in the AFC and two of them are in their division. And that's, that's a big problem. Yeah. Look, the one thing that, everybody knows again is the bills are only going to go as far as Josh Allen uh, takes them. I'll, I'll say this good news, bad news from a, a speculatory point of view right now. If, if you're looking for good news, I would say this two things. Number one, Sean McDermott. And I think it was, might've been Joe Biscaglia pointed this out on Monday. Sean McDermott saying a player's being evaluated is something he says a lot. So that doesn't mean necessarily bad news. Okay. So you can look at it from that point. You can also say, well, he got hurt and two plays later, one or two plays later, he's launching the ball 70 goddamn yards in the, in the air. Okay. Right. That's good news. Bad news. If you're looking at bad news, it could be, well, he did that on adrenaline. You know what I mean? Trying to make a play. Yeah. It's fourth and 21. He might've made it worse on that throw. We don't know awesome. again. And we don't want to speculate too much, before any test results come in, but that could be bad. And it looked pretty bad. And he also, and I think it was 2018, he has a history with a UCL in his elbow. I Mm -hmm. think it was a 2018 where he got injured his rookie season. I would say this right now without knowing any results. And again, by the time people are listening, depending on when they're listening to this on, on Tuesday or maybe even Wednesday, we might already know. I would be stunned if they're not very cautious with Josh Allen. Look, you want to have the best record. You want to win your division first and foremost, and you want to have the best record in the conference. But if, if you play Josh Allen and he's not healthy and it gets worse, you're, you're mm-hmm. done. You're done. Yeah. And you look at the next three games, that Minnesota Vikings game is going to be tough on Sunday. I know the bills right now, or at least before the injury, they were like seven and a half up to nine point favorites against mm-hmm. Minnesota. I'm telling you, 
the, the NFC is becoming a little more clear right now. And the Philadelphia Eagles are clearly for real, although they haven't played a lot of good teams, but they're really good. And I'm going to tell you, man, the Vikings got a good roster. Kirk Cousins is not the greatest quarterback, and that's probably the, uh, if you're still pessimistic about Minnesota, you would certainly point to Kirk Cousins. But I'm going to mm. tell you right now, Delvin Cook's one of the best running backs in the NFL. Justin Jefferson might be the best receiver in the NFL. Adam Thielen is certainly amongst the best number twos in the NFL. They just traded for your boy from Detroit, who's a very yeah. good tight end, TJ Hawkinson. They got a lot of weapons. And by the way, Madison is a really good backup running back. And we all know, if you watch the Buffalo Bills the last couple of weeks, they have not played very well against the run. And Minnesota can run the ball. They can throw the ball. And they got a pretty good defense. So the, my point is this. The Vikings are for real. They're a good team. They're going to be a test with or without a healthy Josh Allen. No question about it. But you look, and if you got to sit Josh for two, three games, after that you have Cleveland at home and you have your Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving. And then you have a 10-day break before you would play the New England Patriots, which would be at the beginning of December. Mm-hmm. It would not surprise me at all, given the way the Bills have been with handling their injuries, like Matt Milano just this past week and, and Jordan Poyer, and they're still being very cautious, bringing Trey White back into the mix. It mm-hmm. wouldn't surprise me at all to see the Bills say, look, even if they lose one or even two of those next three, we need Josh for this stretch run, and maybe we sit him for two to three games, three games, and uh, make sure that that elbow's at least close to 100%. If the tests don't come back terrible, but it's like, you know, he has a sprain. Give him a couple weeks. It's not going to, you know, it, it, it sucks. It right. certainly sucks, and the offense will be severely challenged without Josh Allen in it, but I think you have no choice. I know the temptation's there to want to make sure you have the best record in the conference, but not at the expense possibly of losing your quarterback and being done. So mm-hmm. do you kind of agree with that? It's like you got to be cautious with this guy right now this time of year. Yeah, no, you you 100% have to because it's not just this year, it's next year because the, the, their Super Bowl window is is now Sure. and what, the next two, three years maybe? It, depending on how, you know, depending on how things shake out. But sure. like forever long, Allen has his contract until that's your window. Yeah, as long that's, as he's playing at a level that is an MVP type caliber level, which it right. has been for the most part anyway. But yeah. Right. But like it, you cannot you cannot jeopardize any of that stuff. I mean, yes, your their chance this season to win the Super Bowl is very very good. Mm-hmm. But if you want to, you know, if you're going to say, well, no, he can gut it out. He can he, well, like, we can get him out there against Minnesota. He'll be fine. Well, I, that would be weird. That'd be a weird move to make to put a, you know, a guy who's, you know, feeling banged up, whose whole arsenal comes from, you know, 90% of his offense comes from being able to throw the ball downfield because that allows him to be able to run the ball or, you know, give the bills the chance to run the ball because you gotta, you gotta make sure you're not getting beat deep, but uh, you do not take any chances. I mean, yes, division's very tight right now and the AFC has gotten tighter because, you know, I mean, you know, listen, it, any given Sunday, the whole, you know, the whole. You the know, Jets are not a bad team. They're not. No, and Miami's no. good. They, uh, I mean, listen, it, it's always easy to underestimate the Jets because of, you know, history. Yeah. But I mean, it, you looked at the way that they played the past few weeks and, and listen, I know Green Bay's down, they're down bad, but they marched into Lambeau and beat them by double figures. Yeah. Like that, that's not easy to do. It's just it, that the Packers played different at home and the Jets went in there and kicked them in the teeth. Okay, and then their defense was pretty good on Sunday. Like that's that's a bit of an issue. They their defense plays pretty well, and their offense doesn't lose the game for them, yeah. which is the, I think is it's kind of like Baltimore Ravens, you know, 
back in the day style. Like just don't don't have your offense not lose the game. Let your defense be able to force the issue. I'll tell you right now, I'm not trying to play Jimmy the Greek, but that's a reference, by the way, for older uh, football fans. But I'm going to tell you, man, I woke up Sunday morning and I, and I didn't feel good about this game. And I tweeted this. It was 9.15 a.m. Now I'm going to read this tweet. I said, I'd be lying if I said I didn't have an uneasy feeling about today's Bills game. Good, even great teams. They have one or two games per year that are stinkers, a.k.a. last year's Jacksonville. I can't shake worrying. Today's that game. Hoping to see MVP caliber Josh Allen today to ensure it doesn't happen. We did not see MVP caliber Josh Allen today. But my point was, I kind of had this feeling going into this game. I'm like, the Jets, the week before, they completely shit the bat against the Patriots. They just played. Zach Wilson was awful. The Patriots manhandled him. It was embarrassing. Jets are back home. Big statement game. Jordan Boyer out. Matt Milano out. Trey White still not in the lineup. You just figure this is a game you're going to go down to in New Jersey. I refuse to say New York and get the W. It reminded me a lot of Jacksonville's game. And I still remember that well last year because I remember doing a show, not my show, another show with Nate Gary. And they, these guys never even discussed the possibility that Jacksonville was going to beat Buffalo. And I kind of felt the same way. I think the Jets were, I know they were two score underdogs. I don't know exactly, but two score underdogs at home. I just, I, I never felt good about this game at, at all, Joe. And uh, I don't know. It's just self-inflicted wounds for the Bills yeah. have been their Achilles heel all year. And th- this time it got to them. You know, that all, again, yeah. they've been flirting with this shit all season. Four mm-hmm. turnovers against the Rams. Didn't matter, though, because they still won by by three touchdowns. Josh Allen last week against the Packers, two of the ugliest interceptions I've seen before Sunday. Their second half was bad. In the second half, yes. Yes, so, you know, stuff like that and bad penalties. And then you go against the Jets. And again, Josh Allen threw two really bad interceptions again on Sunday. Um, Just a lot of self-inflicted runes in this time. It really got to them. I don't want... Monday's news about Josh Allen and worry to take away from the fact that this team played really lousy on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Don't let that distract you from the facts on Sunday. And I love Josh Allen, man. Everybody loves Josh Allen. At least Bills fans love Josh Allen. I still think he's one of the very best football players in the entire NFL. That said, dude, eight interceptions he's thrown this season now and four of them in the last six quarters and all four, and you've seen them all, mm-hmm. the two against the Packers and the two against the Jets, none of these were bad luck, you know, tip at the line or off mm-hmm. a receiver's hand or the corner of safety just making an unbelievably good play. That happens sometimes. These were all four ugly, thrown right to the guy, yep. shaking your head like, what in the hell are you doing, Josh Allen type of uh, Mm-hmm. mistakes this was easily you agree this was easily the worst you've seen them all season by far yeah uh, it, it it absolutely was i the packers game i it, that that one's so weird because they were up by so much of the half in that game that it was everybody took their foot off the gas They're like whatever these guys ain't getting into it and you know they they, they made it look close to the end that game was never close but i so it's like you know whatever sling the ball around you mm-hmm. know get a little crazy but still didn't look good but like you know you can kind of you know, write that off. Miami game was weird. Like that was a weird game, but you know, whatever that, you know, you know, the weather, all the, all the stuff is a shitty day, but this game was, was way different because 
you nailed it on the interceptions. They were they were rookie year Allen interceptions. Yeah. Where these got I mean the the one that he threw that he had two guys out there, and they were both you know it was Diggs and Diggs and Davis maybe they were like one behind the other like right out there, and he threw it short of both of them and you know the you know sauces you know Sauce Gardner's right there to be like okay thanks great you know easy pick yeah. Right? Yeah, he's throwing it into a crowded spot, and it's like he's not even trying to thread it. It's just he's a great rookie quarter, but you're making him right. look. You know right. that was the easiest interception he might get for many years. All right, it's it's just reach up and grab it. That's that's all it was. So I, it's it's a lot of decision making, and it, it can be easy to overblow a lot of this stuff because you know whatever. Every time every time they lose a game or a game gets close, it's you know the end is nigh when it comes to these things, and and. It's justified this time because Allen gets banged up and you don't know what what's going to happen. Sure, still doesn't still doesn't tell you why he played like crap though. Like the injury had nothing to do with with that. Like that no. has zero to do with that. So it's it's a little concerning because you know the, those. I think about it, the the Miami game and the and the Jets game, both games on the road, both losses, hostile atmospheres. You know, one of the things with Allen the first few years was like, can he? You know, how does he handle a, a, a loud house that's not that's rooting against him. Like, how does he handle that? And it, I don't know. It, it's, I'm not saying that's why the, those things happen, but it's just, it's, it's, it's weird that that seems, these are the situations that it seems to happen. The last six quarters to me have reminded me very much of not even so much rookie year, Josh Allen. I would say maybe 2019 Josh Allen, where he would show flashes and make unbelievable plays you'd see on sports yep. center every week. But then he would also have a couple boneheaded plays that really cost him. I don't know. You know, Look, I, again, I, I still think he is one of, if not the best quarterback in the NFL. I, that hasn't changed. It's still him and Mahomes. I see flashes of Mahomes doing some really bad things yep. as well. But again, you it, you got to call a guy out when it when it's warranted. I don't care how good he is. If you're going to talk about a team or you're going to be objective about a team, at least you got to be able to criticize and, and just... Right. Josh Allen it's was not, not good. It's not being a hater. It's not I'm being not, a hater. No, 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 no. Yeah, that's that's yeah. what I mean. Like, you know, and I, and I say this. Uh, when I'm watching the game, and this is the difference between you and I because I'm a Bills fan and you're not. Right. When I'm watching the game, there's no objectivity with me. If you and I were watching the game over a couple beers, I'd be screaming and high-fiving everybody when Josh Allen does something good, and I'd be screaming mm-hmm. and swearing at the TV when he does something bad. When I come on this podcast or I go on someone else's show or if I write on social media, I attempt to be unbiased in my observations of a football player, 18 to 34 for 205 yards, two interceptions. His passer rating was 46.8, which I read it was his lowest of the season by over 20 points. And it was his lowest rating of the regular season since they played Atlanta near the end of last year. I'm not going to make excuses for Josh Allen because Mm -hmm. the green Bay game, they were comfortably ahead and he still made two really bad plays. So you can't say, well, he was trying to do too much because the offense couldn't get things going. They scored 24 points against Green Bay in the first half, and he still had two horrible interceptions in the second half. So I'm not going to make that excuse for him as a whole. But I will say this offense right now and this team right now is too dependent on the quarterback playing like an MVP. Because other than Stephon Diggs, right now, I don't see anybody who is uh, playing with any sort of consistency. Stephon Diggs has been amazing. The man. He has been the man. Gabe Davis has not been the man. Gabe Davis, and look, you're talking to a founding member of the Gabe Davis fan club. I've been tweeting about this guy calling in the next Mike Evans 
mm-hmm. for well over a year before the Chiefs playoff game where he went bonkers. I've mm-hmm. said this guy is a star player, and we've seen it in flashes this year. That Pittsburgh game, three catches, 170 yards, or whatever the hell he had, just yep. completely dominant. But, and I, maybe the ankle had something to do with it early in the year, but I don't, I can't use it as an excuse anymore. He's dropping passes. He ain't getting mm-hmm. open. He just doesn't look like a consistent number two receiver. Dawson Knox, for whatever reason, they're not throwing to him as much as they did last year where he put up really good career numbers. Isaiah McKenzie's nothing to me. He's a splash guy. He'll make a play now and then. I ain't relying on him for shit. I don't know why Shakir's not getting more snaps. Mm-hmm. And, but, and, and then, Joe, the, the running game. You know, Devin Singletary, I'm over him. I really am. I mm-hmm. Look, he gets some yards, and his yards per carry looks pretty good. But let's not forget something. You're so afraid of Josh Allen's legs, and you're so afraid of his arm that you're playing light boxes against the Bills. You're not bringing up a lot of guys to stop the run. You'll let the Bills run on you. This dude ain't hitting no home run. He ain't breaking no long ones for home runs. He ain't mm-hmm. breaking no tackles either. He gets hit, and that's it. That's a wrap. I never see him run through a tackle. He's a slippery dude, but I don't mm-hmm. see him breaking tackles. I don't see him dragging the pile. When when Josh Allen's not playing well, my point is this, my long-winded point. No, no Nobody on the offense other than Stefan is there to pick him up. You're going to yeah. have to be able at some point to run the football. And they're just, they're not doing it with any consistency. And Sean McDermott's starting to get frustrated. You could hear that on Sunday about being one-dimensional. We heard that last year when Dable was yeah. the coordinator. Run the ball it's, better. It's, it's, I mean, you hit it on Allen. Like, they're far too reliant on him to do things. It was like, what, a few weeks ago, he was, he was like responsible for like, what, 85% of the yeah. offense, whether it was running or passing. Like, that's, it's a lot. I He's mean, going I like, didn't mean to cut you off. Right, right, right. He right. scored both touchdowns Sunday on the ground with his legs. That's my point. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, like, it's, you know, listen, quarterbacks are going to own the ball anyways. That's that's their job. Like, that's what it's supposed to be. It's not like I want him being responsible for 30% of the offense and it's, you know, fullback dives and, and toss sweeps and all that kind of crap all the time. Like, no, that's that's not the league. But what I noticed after the second interception interception against the Jets was that, Instead of running, I mean, they'd run, you know, maybe what, what once each possession, maybe just to kind of be like, aha, keeping you honest. But there was no, he didn't really look downfield. The, the, throw, the throw to Davis on fourth and 21 was the one time that he really opened it up and was like, screw it, we got we to take a shot. Um, but there were no other real deep shots after that interception. A lot, it was a lot of dump offs to the back coming out of the backfield, a lot of underneath stuff to digs. Or you know, occasionally throwing it towards Knox. I don't know how many. I don't know how many he came away with catches, but um, it was a very soft underneath offense, trying to like loosen things up a little bit, trying to keep people honest. But it was just not th- that that big play threat wasn't there because whatever the reason, whatever the reason, I don't know if you just you know want to don't want to keep throwing balls up towards Gardner and their in their secondary because the secondary Jets secondary is pretty good. You don't want to keep you know throwing it up there and causing problems, but. You also, again, my point with the Bills is always this. You have the best offense in the NFL play like it. And that at some point, the switch went off and they stopped playing like it. Starting to wonder, are they really the best offense in the NFL? Because again, well, maybe they are when Josh Allen is playing like an MVP. But if he's anything else less than playing like an MVP, I'm starting to think that's not really the case. Because again, Gabe Davis inconsistent. Isaiah McKenzie's giving me nothing. Dawson mm-hmm. Knox, he's fine, but they're just not using him a lot, quite frankly. And uh, 
They got a rookie who's not getting touches, and the running game strikes zero fair in opponents. So there's I don't know. What, what do you think is wrong? What do you think is up with do you think there's something specifically wrong with Josh Allen over this last quarter and a half? Because again, these turnovers were not they weren't unlucky breaks. They were bad mm. throws and bad decisions. Two of these four were straight up one against Green Bay. And I think the first one against the Jets on the first drive of the game, mm -hmm. uh, where he looked like he was trying to throw the ball away, but then he like literally threw it. I can't remember who it was. Number three, he was looking towards Dawson yeah. Knox. I don't. I I think Steve Tasker said on the post game that he didn't. Even, he don't, he doesn't think Josh Allen even saw him because the guy was behind a big defensive uh, lineman, so he never even saw him, and he thought Dawson mm -hmm. Knox was open. But the one that saw Gardner, no question about it, that was just a terrible yeah. throw. Anyway, do you see? Do you think there's something just specifically wrong with Josh, or it's just just a question, Joe? I mean, you cover hockey, but you know, in hockey and just all sports, sometimes gr even great players just go through slumps. Is this just oh, sure. your boy's just slumping right now? Or do you think there's something more to it? I th I think it's a, I think it's a slump, honestly, because I mean we've seen this from other great teams in in the past where they play, you know, they'll play some game. Like I remember, I, there's a. Kansas City game, I remember a few years ago where they were playing against New England. Maybe it was like two, three years ago. And New England was horrible. Or, or maybe it was Tennessee. I forget. Either way, they were playing a team that was god-awful. There was no reason that they should lose. And they lose. And you're like, well, what the hell's going on with this team? Are they broken? Like, what's happened? That was the last game they lost until until the playoffs. I don't even know if, I, I don't know if they just went on. A, I can't remember which year it was. I'm not making this up, I swear to God. But they they didn't lose again after that one because all the, the switch went off in everybody's head and be like, can't be losing these idiots. Come on. Right. Like let's realize who we are for me. The bills game yesterday, you, it could have been rescued if, I mean, if, if, if some butts, you know, whatever, it's fine. But like, you know, Davis makes that catch late. That's, that's a game changer. The holding call on digs or the, the digs catch that went for almost 30, 26, 30 yards, whatever it was. Um, you know, you get a holding call there. Like that's you bad know, call too. Drives. Yeah. So, I, you know, bad calls happen, you know, shit happens. Sure. But, but it, it was like a dagger kind of thing where it's like, ah, well, nothing's going our way. Oh, shucks. Like, you know, sometimes you just get in that kind of a funk, but, you know, and, but and again, it, like it comes down to like just every loss feeling like the end of the world because that's, I mean, that's the mindset I get. It. I believe me, I understand it, but I'm not, I, I find it hard to get really stressed out about it because I just feel they're better than everybody. Now, it's different with this year's team because I, I believe last year's team and even the year before that, those guys read the headlines and they were like, yeah, that's right, we're the best. Like, you know, nobody can beat us. Like, it's okay, good to be confident, but also like cocky for no good reason. You ain't one shit. Now they're a team that that's, that's the favorite. They don't have that mindset anymore. They don't go into these games thinking like, yeah, we're hot shit, whatever. We're going to load up. On, we're going to beat the crap out of these garbage teams and come up small against good teams. Like that, they don't play that way now. Like they're, they're, they're out to, to wreck people, but some of that's been missing and I don't know where it comes from. It's still there. I don't think it's gone. It's certainly not gone, but if you're, if you got a team that's playing, you know, that's got kind of like low, you know, kind of like low feelings like that. And, you know, if, if Allen has to miss any games, it's a tough time. It's a tough time to try to figure things out because the offense has to change drastically. If Allen's out, because you're not going to run all the same plays with, with case Keenum, like that's just not going to happen. You're going to want to run the ball more 
better figure out how to run the ball really fast. Like, you know, maybe Naheem Hines comes in, comes into play there a lot more. I, that's, that's where that comes from, but that's all, you know, that's, that's disaster prep right now. This team, I, I still believe that they're, they're the best team in the AFC. I, I still, well, them in Kansas city, it's that one, one, a one B. And I, I think Philly is maybe the only team in the NFC that can, that can hang with them. And it's because they play the same, same kind of offense, Kansas city and, and, and the bills do. So I'm not sweating it yet, but if, you know, if it's, if he ends up missing a few games here and things get a little tighter, I'm hoping that if I'm, you know, again, if I'm a bills fan, I'm hoping Allen comes right back comes back in and is right back on the MVP pace and, and they can tear ass the rest of the way because otherwise eh, life gets a lot harder. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sports fans who like to wager, I'm here to tell you about OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. If you're looking for a one-stop space on these interwebs to compare odds live up to the minute, look no further than OddsTrader. Why is OddsTrader so valuable to you? Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major sports books. Why does that matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, you want to throw down some cash on them, you're getting your choice of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts if you're betting on the underdogs or whether you're profiting the most if you're going with the favorites. Odds Trader also allows you to compare all the different signup codes and promos from the sports books so that you can get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough, Odds Trader, the app, also gives you player stats, key game stats, injury reports projected game day weather, which by the way, that could be a huge thing to know in certain situations. OddsTrader also has a betting tracker so they can keep records of all of your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, OddsTrader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're in this betting on sports games, any sport by the way, make sure you go to OddsTrader.com slash BlueWire. Again, that's OddsTrader dot com slash blue wire odds trader the number one site for all your game day bets i'm back with joe yurda you, you said something before the break that that sticks out with me and i agree with you i i still think the bills are the best team and 
I'll say this, when you, when you are the best team, everybody wants to beat you the most, you know, like the mm-hmm. jets, they're going to get their, you hear it all the time. You're going to get everyone's best shot when you're the hunted. It's mm-hmm. true. Miami, that game, that week three was like a Super Bowl at the time to Miami. I don't care how many guys were injured for Miami or if it was a thousand degrees out. That was their Super Bowl. This was like a Super Bowl, or at least I should say a playoff game to the Jets. You know what I mean? To to be able to beat their divisional rivals, you're going to get their best shot. And going back to the Miami game, it's easy. And it was also fair to have a million excuses. I mean, no Mitch Morris, no Dawson Knox, no Poyer. No, high. Mm-hmm. That was I, that might have been the first week high didn't play too. Um, yeah. I mean, I can't even remember. Gave, Gabe Davis was hurt. He played hurt. So many injuries, a million injuries, and it was a, a million degrees out, and they still barely lost. There was, you know, that that was whatever. This game is different. Forget about the Josh Allen injury at the end. This was the first time all year. So all the stuff that was leaking for the Bills, the the run defense against Green Bay, the turnovers against the Rams. All this stuff finally reared its ugly head and it cost them against the New York Jets. And and I think that's why people tend to overreact. I know I'm I'm sure I've overreacted some on Sunday. Not as much today, a little bit, but especially on Sunday night. I mean, I was stewing on, on Sunday night, man. But two takes. I think the takeaway from this game, not counting Josh Allen, on the field, terrible game by his standards, off the field, much bigger concern. Hope he's okay because he's the key. But I have two big takeaways based on this game. Number one, we've talked about him a little bit on this podcast. I feel like up until now, I have felt like adding Adele Beckham Jr. and has been talked about for weeks. Vaughn Miller, of course, is making it sound like it's a foregone conclusion. I have felt that um, OBJ was... A, a potential luxury guy, like, yeah, sure. Add him to the mix. This team's already explosive. Man, you give him another weapon like Odell Beckham Jr., assuming he could play and he's healthy near the end of the year. Wow, what a great luxury that is, man. Now, I'm going to be honest, for a lot of reasons we've talked about today, I am starting to think that Odell Beckham Jr. is a borderline necessity for this football team because I don't think they get anything with any consistency from the slot, which he would play a lot of the slot. They don't mm-hmm. get it from McKenzie. They don't trust Shakir yet, clearly. And again, we talked about Gabe Davis. Maybe Gabe Davis is not ready to be a bona fide number two receiver. Uh, based on what we've seen with our eyes this year, you bring this guy into the mix, it felt like a luxury. Now I'm starting to think, Joe, they really, really, really could use him. Like, almost need him. Because again, <laughs> if you can't, if you can only trust Diggs, then you don't have enough. Yeah, I, well, I think if you can't trust Diggs, that's a bigger problem. I meant beside beyond Diggs. You trust Diggs. Oh, okay. My bad. Yeah. I said that wrong. Anyone beyond Diggs, you can't trust. Yeah, I I certainly understand not being able to to be fully behind Davis. Like I I, I want to be. I really I want to be, man. I love him. I want to yeah. be. But he's, I can't. he can he can be really good. It's just the consistency's off right now. And um and you know we we've, we went over this before. You know McKenzie's. You know McKenzie. They seem to only be interested in using in run plays. You know I, I maybe that's the fault of, of play calling to not get them involved more in actual pass plays. Yeah, two catches uh, for a twelve yard Sunday. Nothing. Yeah. So it's you know whatever. It's it's fine. Wait a wait a Cole Beasley that game. Cool. Good work. But um, but I, I mean to say it's a necessity. I don't know it. 
it's still the same receiving crew that they had at the beginning of the year. Still the same. It's still the same guys. It's still the same. You know all that stuff. I don't. I don't necessarily buy into the necessity thing with Beckham because just because it, it, all the guys you have, you know, you can. You know, you know, can do it. You know, you know, Davis can do it. You know, Knox can do it. You know, they, they put in so much work with these guys to get them to a point where it's like, okay, you're our guys. I, I don't know if if it's to replace McKenzie. I could see that. I could see that maybe, but like, is he going to be cool with a number three job? You know, like, do you slot Davis back to three? Like, I, don't I know. think Davis becomes the number three. Then maybe not right away, right. but I, I put it this way. I, I think Beckham plays a lot of the slot. I think he's going to take the snaps. If Beckham were to sign with the bills, he's going to take McKenzie's snaps. So he's not going to take Gabe Davis's snaps. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, you're right. It's not necessarily, maybe necessity was poor wording on my part. It's, like, it's I mean, becoming I, more I get, important. I get, it from your, I get it from your standpoint as, as you know, as a fan being like, get him some help. He's, you know, get him some other options out there. I understand that. Believe me. Isn't that why you traded for Naheem Hines? Like the Mr. Receiver running back? Like, isn't that kind of why you did that? Like, sure. I don't know. I, I mean, I, it's, I, it's, it's play, a short option play a choice, role. like. I don't know. Like, have have Naheem Hines run those those fullback wheel routes up the sideline instead. You know, and you don't you don't need Gilliam to do that stuff. Oh, circling back to our discussion earlier, where we f- we both feel like J- it's too dependent on Josh Allen playing like an MVP to be successful. Mm-hmm. You know, one example we gave, which is an obvious one, is the running game is just not effective enough. It's co- mm-hmm. it's complementary. It's not going to close out. It hasn't closed out games. It hasn't dominated games, and I don't see it doing that. Another example of saying that is this. Name me a time all year where a receiver for the Bills, which happens sometimes, but how do you overcome a quarterback who's not playing his best? I One way is a quarterback will throw a 5- or 10-yard slant to a receiver. He'll break a tackle and take it downfield for 50, 60 yards and a score. I haven't seen that from Buffalo whatsoever. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Stefan, again, to a certain extent, sure. I'm taking nothing away from Stefan. He's one of the very best receivers in the mm-hmm. NFL. When is Gabe Davis or Isaiah McKenzie or Khalil Shakir or Jamison Crowder before he got hurt? When are these guys taking a short pass, making somebody miss, and, and taking it to the house or taking it for a 50, 60 yard play? You know what I'm saying? It's either Josh is slinging it down the field, he's running for 36 yard touchdowns like he did against the Jets, or he. that's it. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that's how they're moving down the field or it's dink and dunk because nobody is making a, nobody's making plays except for Stefan Diggs, except for Gabe Davis one game. Yeah. Or I, I assume we're just going to ignore the Pittsburgh game because that was such a, I said, show except for Pittsburgh. Game. Yeah. Right. Except for right. Pittsburgh. He wow. was Mike Evans on steroids against right. the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. It's, you and I could have been that. Yeah. And, and nobody's going to play like that every week, but getting back to the point of consistency, He's also catching a ball, clapping his hands. I see in a video the way he catches the ball, which he always has. He kind of cl- claps his hands on the ball, which is really weird. Gabe Davis it. is dropping too many passes, and this is coming from a guy who's the president and the founder of the Gabe Davis fan club. I just mm-hmm. – give me Odell Beckham Jr. Here's the other take. I think we realized on Sunday how much – and by the way, we spent this whole podcast now talking about the shitty offense beyond Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Uh, which by the way, offensive line terrible. Let's get yeah. Josh was sacked five times and it could have been eight or nine times. This was far and away their worst game of the season, too. So let's not let them escape criticism. 
Um, the defense didn't play very, I mean, they were okay. But still, make a stop at the end, that last drive. 13 plays, 86 yards. They took up 6 minutes and 18 seconds. Jets started on their own 4-yard line. They had runs of 9, 7, 16, 17, 4, 15, and 3 yards. They reached the red zone without Zach Wilson throwing one single pass. And they ended up kicking what became a game-winning field goal. Yeah. Matt Milano not playing hurt this team. And I think he's the MVP of this defense. And I don't think, well, hold on. Vaughn Miller. <laughs> Just like, say. that's like saying <laughs> Stephon Diggs is the MVP of the offense, not counting Josh Allen. Matt Milano was yeah. the MVP of the defense, not counting Vaughn Miller. Let me be fair here. Mm-hmm. Matt Milano is good to make that one huge three-yard loss behind the line of scrimmage hit mm-hmm. or to snuff out a screen pass and make a big play or to get an interception, cause a fumble. He's that playmaker. He didn't play on Sunday. They clearly miss him. Sometimes you realize the value of a guy when he's actually not out there. Um, mm-hmm. I think Matt Milano hurt them a lot yeah. by not being out there, man. That uh, you know, when Miller makes that sack that turns it that turned into the fumble late in the game, I was yeah. I was like, well, there he is. You that's know, what he's he there. does. He play that's that's his job. He did it. Like I thought that was the turn of the turning point. Should have been. Like, that was the Bills were going to roll after that point. Obviously, yeah. it didn't happen. But no, Milano hurts. Obviously, you're asking a lot of Edmonds to do more. I don't know that that's the role necessarily you want to have him playing. Um, you want him to, but he doesn't. Right. It's it's. I, I don't want to get into it. I don't want to get into an Edmonds. Me neither. Debate. It's very annoying, but, uh, but it no is. Rousseau, man, like no Rousseau really hurts. That hurt Miller in that game too, because you don't have to worry about somebody else coming off the other side now, or, you know, busting it. Cause Russo is really good, good against the run. He's so big. You can't, you can't wrangle him. He can toss guys aside, but you go without him. Suddenly the pass rush is only, it's really only Miller. I mean, you know, the, Teams have been doing a better job about, you know, wrapping up the middle part of the line. You know, all you know, listen, Oliver's great. I, I love Oliver, but like, you know, if you take one piece away from that, from that line or the or the you know, the pressure, you know, the front seven, front six, whatever, whatever they line up with, it gets a little easier to defend those guys up the middle because you're too you're you're focused, you're only worried about Miller wherever Miller is, and mm-hmm. then Rousseau maybe sneaking in on a stunt or something like that, because you're not, you're not sweating the D tackles getting in the backfield on any of these plays. Like it's just, it's just not it. It's not really a worry. But it's, I mean, this is a lot of stuff for for a team to deal with. I mean, she's, it, it, you, it comes off as excuses, but I mean, for crying out loud, they're missing four or five starters on defense. You know, five, yeah. maybe six. Like that's crazy. It is. Uh, by the way, we haven't talked about this because again, Josh Allen's injury is the big concern, but. Uh... Greg Rizzo, high ankle sprain. He's going to be out multiple weeks. I got to hold my microphone now because it's falling apart on my stand here. Um, Greg Rizzo, high ankle sprain, out multiple weeks. I've heard you could count on him being gone for three to five weeks. That, that's what that's what I've heard. Um, to your point about Ed Oliver, I think he's a fantastic talent. But quite frankly, I have only kind of like Gabe Davis on the offense. He's been inconsistent. He's had flashes, but he hasn't been steady. And he does not have a sack this entire season so far. Which, again, at some point, you know, we heard this last year with Jerry Hughes. He's so good. He's winning these battles. Finish a play every now and then. I know Oliver had one sack that was brought back because of a penalty, but Vaughn Miller's got seven sacks in uh, eight games and two forced fumbles and and result five sacks. They're absolutely going to miss him. Uh, Yeah, man, and the injuries do matter. I mean, I'm not going to say that that doesn't matter. Uh, Two quicks, by the way, 
and I do want to talk a couple of minutes of Sabres before we get out of here. I mean, I got a hockey guy in there. I probably should talk to him Sabres. Um, <laughs> maybe this is a trend and a trend that if you're a Bills fan, you don't like. Uh, the Bills haven't scored a touchdown in the second half of two straight games now. And uh, they've been outscored 20 to 6 in the second a- second half of games over the last two weeks. This is a team that's been coming in and dominating third four quarters all season before this and second halves in general. So that's a trend that's a little worrisome. And also, I saw a stat, the Bills have not topped 27 points in five of their last six games. They only failed to score 27 points six times all of last year. So they've already done that five through their first uh, eight games. By the way, before I, before I, we, we, we put a wrap on the Bills, I know this is going to sound crazy because of who the fucking person is, but I saw... A clip on Twitter from OJ Simpson of all people. Yours truly, of course. Come on. Yes. And normally, uh, you know, I kind of get a a kick out of him. But I got to say something. I got to play this clip. And and you got to listen to this because I actually think he's spot on. And this is going back to our point where he says Josh Allen does uh, is trying to do too much. Let me play this clip. Then I'll get reaction from you. Hey, Twitter world. It's me, yours truly. Well, yesterday was... Kind of a strange day at the NFL as well as the day. Uh, my Buffalo Bills, you know, I give the uh, Jets credit. Those guys are physically tough. Solace, Coach Solace got those guys playing some real hard football, and they have some talented players on that defensive line. As far as Buffalo goes, uh, I still think Buffalo uh, is maybe the most overall talented team in the NFL. I question the fact that they don't seem to, to me, put a lot of time into developing a running game. Everything cannot be Josh Allen. They got so much pressure on the guy now. I think he's the best football player in America. But I think the last two weeks, you see what happens when he's responsible for everything, running the ball and stuff. If you don't have a running game that features your running back, and the only way you can get that is to practice it and practice it hard. Um, a lot of things don't count. Why run a play-action pass when the defensive linemen and safeties, they're not biting. They're not worried about the halfback. You know, their focus is on Josh Allen. So I think if the Bills are going to take that next step to make them by far the best team in football, they got to practice running the football with their running backs hard in practice. All right. Again, this is a lunatic, egocentric murderer with these comments, but is he wrong? I'm. Am I sitting? Gonna sit here and give OJ? You're gonna have to some. Oh man. Well, I mean, if I'm gonna ta- if I'm gonna give him credit for for any sort of take, it's gonna be in football because at least I know he knows. <laughs> I know what he's talking about in football. I mean, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. It's you know very very. Very not willing to. This just is be killing like, Joe right, right now. Juice has it right. Like no, I, just, I it's I. I mean, listen, it's 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 a it's a good observation. It I, is. I thought it was interesting. That's why. That, that's why. I, so I played it again. I know it's kind of where it come from. OJ again. And by the way, if you are watching this on YouTube by chance, literally, my mic boom arm fell off the stand, and I'm literally holding this thing up by uh. <laughs> By the microphone right now, finishing up this uh this pod with Joe. All right, let, let's turn our attention for a couple minutes at least to the Buffalo Sabers. Uh, a c- 
couple of things I want to ask you. First and foremost, I have not caught it because again, we're taping this on Monday. Mm-hmm. I have not listened to it yet today. By the time this drops, I certainly will on Monday night. I do my go to the gym and get my walk in, so I'll have maintenance day on. Of course, Joe with uh, Lance Lazowski. What, what 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 did you guys spend most of your time talking about on this week's show? Well, uh, speaking of injuries to very important people in Buffalo sports, mm-hmm. uh, Rasmus Dahlin uh, missed Saturday's game against Tampa because uh, he took what Don Granado referred to referred to it as today when I asked him about it uh, was a sucker punch from uh, Yesperi Kokinyemi in the Carolina game as those two got into a little bit of a dust up. Um, I didn't call it a sucker punch on noted hockey, but it was really slimy. Like it's borderline. But it was just a wild swing around the referee that caught Darlene right square in the jaw. I mean, great punch, just, you know, kind of shitty. But he's out with an upper body injury, which, you know, it's, listen, it's hockey purposes. You know, it's either upper or it's lower or it's a, you know, or it's a general body injury. It's upper. I'm going on the the hunch that it's probably a concussion. Mm -hmm. I don't know what else, you know, unless he's got like, hairline jaw fracture or something like that, but that would be, they, I don't, I think they would have let us know if that was the case, but uh, I'm taking it to believe it's a concussion. So that's a, that's a worry. What softens that blow is that Owen power was goddamn ridiculous. He was so good against Tampa and I know they lose the game. They lost both games five to three over the weekend. I mean, but these are two teams that are distinct favorites to win the Stanley cup, you know, Tampa and Carolina are some of the best, uh, best in the league. So to go on the road and they had leads in both games, which is wild. You know, they had leads. Uh, I believe they were third period. Well, I don't know about the, I don't know about the Carolina game, but they had a third period lead against Tampa, you know, end up losing. So, you know, it's, you know, kind of sucks that way, but uh, you know, if, if you're going to be without Darlene having power, there to kind of soften that blow really helps because Jesus, he's good. It's uh, I, we, I, my prediction was kind of wrong on maintenance day. Cause I said, we're going to be throwing flowers at the feet of Owen power next week. Well, it, next week happened this week and we didn't really get into it, but we could have, but, but we were too focused on Darlene being hurt and what that could do to things because the defense has been decimated all year. You know, the forwards forwards haven't had any injury issues, knock on wood. Right. It's just, you know, they, they, at any time, three starters are out of the lineup and that's sucks, especially when you're dealing with Carolina and Tampa on the road. You, those are the games you want to, you want to have the full loaded, full loaded lineup. But, uh, but Granada left to open the possibility. And by the time you listen to this, maybe, maybe we'll know better. Maybe you'll know better. Follow me on Twitter, find out, follow Lance on Twitter, find out. But, uh, he left to open the possibility that Darlene could play Tuesday night's game. I would suspect he won't because that would be. But that's still good news, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, he was on the bench. He sat on the bench today. Now, you know, it wasn't in gear. He wasn't skating. wasn't any of that stuff. But he sat on the bench today during practice on Monday during practice. So if it's a concussion, it's not all that serious. If it's just kind of like, you know, maybe he's just got a, you know, migraine or something. I don't know. Whatever the issue is, it it's probably not bothering him too much, but they're erring on the side of caution, which is probably the best thing to do with your best player. <laughs> if, he's, yeah. if there's any sort of issue, it's a very long season. They're only about what, 13, 14 games into it. Like you don't need to be pushing, pushing them to get into the games, especially when it's the friggin' coyotes coming up Thursday night though. I would bet anything. Darlene, Darlene wants in on that one. Oh, absolutely. Because, 
because our old pal Jack Eichel's back in town again. And oh my goodness. That's <laughs> I, listen, I I have zero problems with Jack ever. I've never had an issue with Jack. I mean, you know, whatever. He, everybody's got everybody's got personality quirks. It's fine. But I've never had an issue with him. I thought he kind of got done a little bit raw by what happened last year. He didn't help himself, obviously. He, you know, he's pissed about losing a game and he tries to be his, you know, sarcastic self and it comes off as like sore loser shit. And it's sure. like, all right, well, now you're toast. You're never, you're never going to get the benefit of the doubt ever in Buffalo from, from any fan ever again. Like that's just not happening. But right. uh, the Eichel you saw in that game last year is not the guy that is playing this year. He looks like the Eichel we saw in Buffalo in 19, in 2019, 2020, the guy who got MVP votes, the guy who had an unbelievable season, the guy who everybody wanted to see succeed here. That's the guy that's playing for Vegas right now. And Vegas looks dynamite. They yeah. look really friggin' good. And Eichel is the guy driving the bus. Yeah. It could be a lot of fun Thursday. I yeah, I know Darlene wants that game bad. Like if if he has to sit out that game, he's gonna be he's I don't want to be the first team that has to play against him because he's gonna be so pissed off about yeah. I mean he's been playing he's been playing kind of like an asshole all season. But like, if you got to deal with Darlene after you know having to miss maybe one or two games, you know who knows? Like whatever, maybe he won't miss any. Who knows? But uh, if he has to miss that game though, like that's the next game that he plays in after that. Man, he's gonna be he's gonna be <laughs> just a total asshole to everybody. And if it's the Bruins because they play the Bruins Saturday, the other team that's red hot to start the year. Yeah, uh, Brad Marchand came back from hip surgery a month early, so. He and Darlene get to renew their their trolling war of war of words and you know kind of trying to out rat the other one. If you're a even just a casual fan of the Sabers and you like to watch them sometimes, or you like to go to the game one, two, three times per year, this feels like a really good week to uh, oh, reintroduce yeah. yourself to the arena mm -hmm. because Thursday yes. is going to be, and we saw it last year, is going to be electric because now Vegas, like you said, to your point, is really good. Eichel, as we're taping this, he's got 14 points in 13 games. He, mm -hmm. To your point, he's clearly driving the bus in Vegas. They're very good. Um, hopefully, Darlene will be back. Of course, Tuck is going to want something to prove. And Krebs, you know, they're going against their old team. Um, is going to be uh, electric for sure. You mentioned uh, Noted Hockey. Of course, for everyone watching or listening, that's Joe's uh, Substack. Make sure you subscribe to that. You wrote... Again, covering the the weekend, the, the Sabres did lose a pair of 5-3 games at Carolina. I think that was Thursday, and then Saturday was uh, Friday, in Tampa. Saturday. Yeah, for, yeah, my bad. And uh, you wrote uh, about uh, when a measuring stick reads wrong. Kind of give fans who might not have, have, they might not have subscribed yet, or they don't know what I'm talking about, but that was a nice post game, man. Talk, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so I, going into that weekend, I, I always – when you're playing a team, teams that are established as some of the elite in the league, which Carolina and Tampa are, you, you kind of look at, look at them as a, a way to kind of measure where your team is at. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it is a measuring stick kind of game. Maybe, you know, if you're an NBA fan, maybe you think of it as a heat check because, you know, Sabres are playing well, things are going good, and you got to be like, all right, let's 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 see how good they are right now. Let's see where it goes. They hung in on both of those games. And, mm -hmm. and like I mentioned, they're missing – half their starting defense, you know, no Samuelson, no Yoka Haru. They had no Labushkin on Friday, no Darlene on Saturday. Labushkin came back, although he's playing, it's probably about playing at 70, 75%. So he's, 
gutting it out. He's he's just kind of that dude. He's he's that guy that's going to do it. But um, you get a taste of what this could be for this team. Like you know, you can call it a measuring stick game and say like, all right, but it's not it's not really because you're not getting the whole picture from them. And if this is them at missing you know missing three starting defensemen and going down there and playing what are essentially two one goal games and games they had leads in and both had leads in both of them they had two one goal leads against tampa and ended up or against carolina and then they had a one goal they had a three two lead in the third against carolina which they end up losing but or uh, against tampa ended up losing i got my games all backwards here but um <laughs> You 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 want to you want to come away and say like all right well they hung in there good it's like well yeah but that's not the point of of how they're playing like it's to me it's not it's not it's not a measuring stick situation just because of what you're missing what you're missing and how this you know the team's still kind of gelling they're still kind of getting their their stuff together you know they ran lines at practice today that are completely different. Yeah, I saw that. Completely different from anything that they've they've run out at all this year. They're trying to like Lance and I talked about it on the pod. They're trying to get some things figured out with a couple of guys, and one of them's Middlestat. But um, but you're trying to find ways to make it work. Like they're going to be tinkering around and doing stuff like this all season. But man, oh man, I I want to see that. I want to see them. They don't play. Uh, they don't play Carolina again until February. I. I want the and that's that game will be in Buffalo. So mm, keep your eyes out for some fireworks in that one, possibly. But um, I want to see the Sabres with a loaded lineup. I mean, it's a home game, so it's a little you know easier in the matchups. But I want to see what they look like against Carolina in that spot because Carolina's had their way with Buffalo pretty well the last couple of years, sure. just because they they can blitz everybody. Same thing for Tampa. I mean, Tampa owns them whether it's Buffalo or or, or in Tampa. They just they they just have their number all the time, but. That that game against them on Saturday was one that a year, even a year ago, I think they would lose that game going away pretty bad. Like that's a five-two loss waiting to happen, or five, you know, six-two loss waiting to happen. Because that's the kind of game that always happens against Tampa down there. Like some freak stuff happens, and then you know the wheels come crazy off, and scores, and you know, point gets a hat trick or some shit. You know, right. it's that's the way it goes. Those things didn't happen though, so that's. I, it's very encouraging, but it's something to build on and something for, for this group, which again is obscenely young to build on because, you know, I mean, for as many guys that were here the last couple of years, there aren't, not a lot of them were. Uh, so like they don't have any of that history with any of these teams. So it's, it's good to see. It's just, I wouldn't take it as, you know, gospel, you know, that, that like, this is where this team's going to be. It's like, Oh, they'll never beat them. No. They're going to take some points out of these guys at some point during this year, and it's going to be it's going to look really good. Let me. Uh, <laughs> this feels kind of weird to ask you this, but all right. So as of right now, as we tape this again, late around dinner time on Monday, uh, the Buffalo Sabers are seven and five through twelve games. That's a pretty good record for for this mm-hmm. team right now. Seven and five, uh, fourteen Absolutely. points, good for fifth in the Atlantic. As again, as we tape this, uh, as an example of how good. Eastern Conference is and just the NHL, the way it works. The Sabres have been pretty much, even though with two losses over the weekend against good teams, the Sabres for the most part have been a kind of a feel good story so far early this season. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what folks, if uh, the playoffs started today, the Buffalo Sabres would not be in the playoffs. That's how good this Eastern Conference uh, really is. So now the Sabres return home starting, we're dropping this Tuesday. So starting tonight, um, they play Arizona and then 
You have Vegas on Thursday and Boston on Saturday, two, arguably two, the two best teams right now in the NHL. And then you get Vancouver early next week to wrap up, I, I believe, a four-game homestand. Yes. Isn't it? It's like almost like these Arizona-Vancouver games, like if you're looking from a competitive, I want to stay in the playoff mix here, mm-hmm. you almost need to find a way to make sure you beat Arizona and Vancouver, right? I mean, you you don't want to be going one and three or zero and four on this on this homestand because you're going to fall off pretty quick from this race, right? Yeah, you don't want to put you don't want to heap pressure on teams for games in, in the beginning of November. Like that's just it's mean to do, and mm-hmm. it's it's kind of it's kind of shitty to try to do that. But in the grand scheme of things, yes, these are these are. These are games that they should win. I, I mean, Coyotes, Jesus, where, where, where are they on their schedule here? They are just at the beginning of a 14-game road trip. That's like, crazy. This will be game two of a 14, 14 straight on the road. They don't go back home until the beginning of December because of the you know the whole new arena thing. They got stuff to fix. I don't, All right, I was going to ask you But like, <laughs> the, the visiting locker room was basically out you know, in some empty part of, uh, part of the concourse there that they had you know, curtained off. Like It's just, you know whatever mm-hmm. it's fine but um but that yeah, but you know they had to go away for a month and a half just to make sure they could get everything in place and make sure everything was good to go like that's it's crazy to do that but hey whatever um catch them now so that you can you know that you can take care of business beat them early they're coming off a high they beat the capitals on saturday like you know it's still Ovi playing over there it's you know it's still darcy kemper and goal who won the stanley cup last year that's it's a good, pretty good Caps team, um, but Vancouver. I mean, Vancouver's been in the the dumps all all season. Like they had the horrible start. They finally started to win some games, but they're still not very good. Uh, and that game will be the last. That'll be the fifth game of a five game road trip for them. So they're already looking forward to going back home mm-hmm. by the time they get into Buffalo. So beat the pants off of them. Make sure that they go home sad. And you know, God treat sad. them the way Seattle treated Buffalo at you know at the last game of their road trip. Do You're the right. same thing to them that Seattle did to the Sabers. Beat those two. You have to beat those two teams. Like they're bo- they're both still single digits. You know, whatever. Fine. It, you know, it's stupid. It's early. It's early in the season. But like Vancouver's three six and three. That's not good. You know, uh, what the hell's Arizona's record right now? Blah 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 blah. They've only got nine points. They're what four six and one, which is kind of kind of shocking, honestly, because mm-hmm. they don't have a ton of talent there. So. Take care of business in those games. Vegas and Boston games are, you know, again, not measuring stick games, but you're catching two teams that are absolutely beast mode right now. Like that's, and one of them, I mean, Boston's a rival. Vegas is a brand new rival now just because of Jack stuff. So that that's going to be two hyper tense emotion, you know, emotion games there. I'm not saying mo- emotional like sad. I'm saying emotional like one one sketchy hit might get things bubbling up. So sure. it's 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 those kinds of games. So uh so yeah, but yeah, take care take care of the coyotes on Tuesday. Take care of Vancouver on what was it? Is Sunday, Monday? I think it's next Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah. yeah. So. so realistically you're a Sabres fan, you want a good home stand, beat the two teams that you're supposed to beat and try to steal a point if you can again between Vegas and Boston. If you can get five out of eight points in this home stand uh, I think it's pretty good. One last thing, I'm going to let you go here. So on Monday, the Sabres social media finally dropped photographs and, and a video, a promo video of, I, I don't want to say new uniforms, the throwback <laughs> uniforms, man. And I'm going to tell you, I'm, I've said this before. I'm not a uniform guy. Like I usually don't give a shit what the Bills are wearing, what colors, any of that mm-hmm. stuff. I'm, I personally 
I think they look good on other people, but me personally, I don't like jerseys. I don't like the way they look on me. I think they look fantastic on a lot of other people, but I don't buy jerseys for that reason. But anyway, that might change because <laughs> these, these photos that they put out today, and again, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you are subscribed if you do. But anyway, I got a picture of uh, Darlene and I got a picture of Tuck up there. I got to be honest with you, man. These uniforms are fucking sweet. They look good. <laughs> I I don't know. Maybe you don't agree with me, but holy shit, man. I, I really like this look. It's a fresh look. And by the way, they're going to debut these. I think they're wearing them for 12 of their own games. So you're going to be seeing a lot of these starting later this month. They're debuting it on November 23rd when they play at home against the St. Louis Blues. You're going to be seeing plenty of these, uh, mm -hmm. these uniforms. Now that you see them on current players, what, what are your thoughts? It's uh, I I'm I, I said this on Twitter, but I'm a blue and gold guy. Like the yeah, the, you know, the '80s uniforms and what they're wearing now, like that's that's my jam. They're they're the, some of the best uniforms in the NHL, as far as I'm concerned. And that's not that's not like Homer talk. That's not it's none of that. It they legit are. Mm -hmm. These are the ones I've got a connection to because of college. You know, being a college boy. Here we go. Get out of here. Not please. even a hot take. Not even a hot take, but like when I was in college in Oswego, anytime we came out to Buffalo to come see a game, mm -hmm. they were in these uniforms. You know, it was Hashik, you know, it was, uh, it was Pekka, it was all those guys playing and like the games were intense. Every game we went to was, was somehow some crazy kind of game and it was fun as hell to go to. Tickets were pretty cheap. I mean, we got tickets, you know, we're talking 300 level behind one of the goals for like 26 bucks. Pretty good. I mean, especially sure. for college, college pricing. I mean, it wasn't college price, but like if you're in college, 26 bucks for a game is pretty good. But um, but the guys, the, the players are so geeked up to wear these. They cannot wait. Jacob Bryson was he, he goes, he goes, he's like, dude, when when's our first game with these? And I was I was like, uh the 23rd. He's like, Oh, sweet. And I was like, Are you even old enough for these? And I and he's he's like, Yeah, man, I remember these when I was a kid. And I was like, what? So I had to look up his birthday. He was born in 97. So that a made me feel really old. Cause that's when I, got <laughs> but it was, but also I think about it like when he, you know, he's five or six and that team is, they're still wearing them in Oh two, Oh two, Oh three. Like, you know, they still warm in Oh five, Oh six too. So like that's prime age for, for a guy, for a kid growing up then to see these and be like, wow, these are awesome. I love these. Like that's the perfect age for that. But like, you know, guys like cousins and them, they never, never had it. Tuck, is over the moon he cannot he cannot wait to play in these because we got him talking about jerseys he owned back in the day and he i think he said he had a uh, he had one of the red butter knives ones in like tim Connolly, or maybe it was one of the black ones I, either way but like these are the jerseys these guys you know some of these guys grew up with like that's that's the thing like that's uh, and that's that's really cool and the fans you know listen Fans have been asking for this stuff for like a few years you know all these other teams are doing throwbacks all these other teams are doing it's kind of like Dude, get off your ass! Like, just make these again. Let's try it again. And they look—they look friggin' great. I, I again, I was never a huge fan of these, but like, these look great. They—I they, it, mean, it's the same thing as it used to be, basically. But they look awesome. I love it. It's gonna be really cool to see it in person. I'll tell you, man. I'm—I I think I like them now more than I did when they were actually wearing them. Uh, it's gonna be a—it's gonna be a very tense week in Buffalo because again, you got the Josh Allen news, which is bigger than the game against the Vikings on Sunday. That's uh, hopefully that's relatively good news. And then you got Darlene to worry about. But again, Jack Eichel coming to town. This is going to be a very uh, intense week for, for Buffalo sports. Make sure you're following Joe on Twitter at Joe Yurden. 
Maiden's Day podcast every Monday with Lance Lazowski of the Buffalo News. And make sure you subscribe to Noted Hockey, his Substack. It really, truly, and I'm not just saying this because you're my boy and because you're on the podcast. It is must-read, man. It really is. I, I love especially, I mean, I like reading it for various reasons, but I especially love reading uh, your post-game stuff because I don't always watch the games. I watch all the Sabres after dark games, but I haven't watched all the games this year. I feel like I do uh, when I go on your stuff. So so make sure you subscribe to uh, Noted Hockey. Again, a very intense week. Buffalo Sports. Joe Yurden, thanks a lot, buddy. Always a pleasure having you on the show, man. Dude, always fun. Hopefully next week brings about some more fun news for everybody. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.